0: What's up, guys? I'm Jeremy. My name is Christian, and this is the Ten Cents Podcast. Ten Cents, meaning that we tackle topics in ten minutes or less, giving our two cents.
1: The Ten Cents Podcast is a segment of the Vessels Podcast, brought to you by Ask Us Why Christian Apparel.
0: For more resources, you can check out our website at askuswhy.org, or you can check out our shop to support us at askuswhyshop.com. Without further ado, we hope you guys enjoy this episode. Let's jump into it. all right okay all right new question for us and uh this one is one that i don't think we've ever thought to talk about before or it's just not commonly talked about so i think this one will be a really good one for us but bible study we bible do study. we do bible studies we get stoked on the word we want to be in community so we hit up people and we say hey I wanna huh i want to be
1: Awanas, Awanas, is not that like a Bible study thing as a kid? I don't know. What was that Vacation Bible, Vacation Bible School. What were some of those like ones that you grew up? I just—it was just called VBS. I just did VBS Vacation Bible School every summer, so that was just kind of how it was. There was one called Awanas that was kind of like a VBS, but
0: huh, might have been. But anyways, yeah, the idea is like—I mean, we we desire like Bible studies all the time, right? Or we participate in that, but we get excited about God's word. We're in a good community of believers, but like there's, there's not like a Bible study happening. So someone brings up the idea, let's, Hey, let's have a Bible study. Let's make this happen. Or if you're someone that goes to like, for instance, GCU, you are, if you're a life leader, you are in charge of leading a Bible study every single week. And so there are so many different ways to have a Bible study, but um, what, is like, what are some things that maybe people should be looking for or what to do when it comes to Bible studies? So I imagine that the people that are listening to this podcast are either people that are looking to lead a Bible study or they are looking to identify if a Bible study is something good for them to go to, like if that specific one is good to go to, like identifying it. So what do you think are some things that uh, should be happening in Bible study?
1: Yeah, I think we should clarify a little more. Um, I think anytime you're getting together with other believers to talk about Jesus is a good thing.
0: It's a big thumbs up. It's you can't go wrong with that.
1: And you know, especially getting into the Word. um, But I think what what we're trying to get at more with this is is the transformation that can occur in your life as a result of a Bible study, and Mm -hmm. what is what sort of aspects of a Bible study can we implement you know like yeah. discipleship that will be in like the best iron against iron experience like what's going to push us together hard yeah that's going to result in the most fruit
0: right because um, this doesn't
1: have to be the way it is for every single bible
0: study you go yeah. to but as far as like i've been to so many different bible studies growing up and there was ones that really edified me in my faith mm-hmm. and grew me and there's other ones that kind of felt like i was just hanging out or yeah. didn't really feel like anything was really happening from it. And so, yeah, it's never to say that like, this is how it has to be at every single one. But if there is some insight that we could have into to maybe some things that we probably should be doing in Bible studies that could enhance the experience, and not in the sense of experience that like we're going there for the experience, but more like is going to help uh, exemplify what almost what like the early church looked like, if we're just kind of jumping into it, like what what should it look like for us when we gather as believers? Like, what should we be doing and how can we grow in our faith? Because we get excited, we jump into it, or we just get a bunch of people together and we start reading God's word. And that can be good, but can also be walking on thin ice because there there is a right way to interpret scripture there is a a way to do that it's not a matter of just asking around whatever just th- what you think about it and stuff and so um it's not that it is going to push you away from jesus but it can be damaging to our quote to say theology and how we understand scripture and what it means to us in our life and uh it just it makes it a little bit harder to experience jesus in the full because we're limiting ourselves but with what we're experiencing does that make sense Mm -hmm. so yeah so what do you what do you think christian
1: um so i think at least for for me my advice with mindset going into it like say it's the first time you're having a bible study with a group of guys um there's there's a level of expectation management that you need to have because everyone's gonna come into a new bible study and they're gonna be like hey this, these are the ideas that I have that I want to see implemented in this study, and you know when you're when you're coming together, and you know you, you mentioned the early church. Like yeah. I can't imagine they first met and they're like, "This is it. This is exactly what we're doing for the next two thousand years." No, we we meet together and we figure out where where it is that that we've been lacking in in either accountability or confession or honor or whatever whatever it is in our life that we need, like what do we need the church to be for each other? How do we want to edify each other? And that's going to mold and twist and shape and form into whatever the Bible study ends up looking like. Um, So be, be like approaching it in the beginning as something that can change to fit. Like what we think is a God honoring way to go about the Bible study. Um, and so I just mentioned a couple of those things that Remy and I, um, have experienced and are experiencing in a men's group we're a part of, um, that has been really encouraging, um, and helpful in my walk with the Lord. Um, and so the first thing that I'll bring up is confession. Um, and there's a level of intimacy, um, that comes about with, this idea of confession. Um, and I don't know, do you have anything to say about regards to confession?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, James talks about it clearly for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just going to pull it up. It's going to be James five sixteen, Uh, and if there's anyone that we should be listening to when it comes to, uh, scripture, I think that Jesus is, half-brother might have some things to say, you know, <laughs> might have some insight. Uh, he says, therefore, confess your sins uh, to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Uh, and this is this is in context of just talking about the gathering of believers together, which is community, which just falls right in line with this, whether it be at church, whether it be at, you know, home. And just something to kind of add with this too. So uh, just so that's... Uh, we can like open up our, our perspective on this. When the first church happened in the first century, they didn't exist like we think today. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't have a designated building that they used to go to. They used to just do it in homes. It was either homes or they would rent out like places for them to go and have it at. Or they would go out into the middle of like lecture halls and and they would just, you know, stand there and stand on top of like a wine barrel or something or just start talking and stuff. But um, for a long time, it it was just in houses because it was uh, against Roman authority to gather and to talk about these things. They were persecuting them. And so um, they were meeting in secret and in places that were, you know, just in homes and stuff like that. So when we think of, uh, like church being something separate and that it's just that building. It goes back to that concept we talk about all the time, how like church is not a building. It's just community. So Bible study can also be church. It's pretty much just gathering. And so uh, trying to have that mind shift change of thinking that Bible study needs to be separate from church or it's somehow advancing what happens in church. It can be to some degree, but also I think that there are aspects that shouldn't be neglected when we gather in any aspect, when it comes to those that are believers and are trying to grow in their faith, that there are things that we are doing in church that we should be doing in Bible studies that we're not. And there's things in Bible studies that we're doing that at church, they're not doing, which needs to go both ways. Cause I think that you get like surface level, you know, messages at church sometimes, and you're not really like learning what scripture is trying to teach us. Um, and they're just topical, but then you also have like Bible studies where, uh, you're not, you know, Going through and and confessing your sins to one another and you're just kind of reading god's word and you're doing in depth but like i think that there's areas we're neglecting on both sides that we can learn from each other on how to to bring them together for an experience
1: yeah absolutely
0: yeah so uh i'll just kind of bring up a couple things so yeah when i grew up uh just in high school there was a couple different bible studies that we wanted to start up and it was uh It was definitely interesting starting it because we didn't have the, uh, you know, the, the Bible study for dummies book where it told you what you needed to do and how to do it. Right. But we were excited we were excited. We wanted to stay connected. We had a pretty solid church group of guys. And so we just wanted to continue, uh, to gather and have that fellowship. And so uh, the ideas kind of bounced around for a little bit, but I will tell you that what we landed with with a few of these aspects made the the experience for Bible study something that like we used to look forward to every single week that we we're like, I cannot wait until Monday happens because it's about to go down uh, versus like, oh, do I have to go tonight? Like, I, I feel like I have to. All the friends are going, but like, I just don't really want to kind of thing. Um And I think the things that made it so different is a few of these aspects. And one of them is the intensity of focus on community and fellowship, because the group that we gathered with was not just a group that we hung out with one day a week. It was Mm. the group that we would do everything with throughout the week. We would, you know, encourage each other. Hey, we're going to go play basketball at the park down the street. Come hang out with us. Hey, we're going to go to Sam volleyball. Hey, we're going to go get food or go get ice cream. We're going to go to Sonic down the street. Or, um, Hey, like we're going to hang out at church, but then we're going to go hang out after together. We're going to meet at this guy's house and we're going to have a video game night. Like we used to just constantly be doing everything together. And so when you spend that time in that community outside of just that one event, when you experience that kind of fellowship, it's so edifying to your faith because you're constantly being surrounded by them versus as if you're going to church one day a week and then you go back to your regular routine of life and surrounded by people that aren't believers. And so you're not getting that influence constantly into your life. It's going to make your relationship with Jesus just that much harder to pursue uh, because you're not being surrounded by that environment. that's going to push you towards it. It's like, imagine, you know, church camp. It's like, obviously you're going to be pumped by the end of the week because you just spent every single day without your cell phone, hanging out with friends And doing everything together from events and games and, you know, hanging out late, late at night and then, you know, dinners and lunches and whatnot and then free time. But then like worship and Bible study time and all those kind of things. It's like all of that together is the accumulation of, I think, what life looks like it should be meant to be lived out as versus like one time a month or one time a summer uh, or one week that we go to. So fellowship was super huge for us, but a couple of those other things that that really made it important and special for us was kind of like what you were saying, confession but i'll take it a step fold it further is vulnerability. Mm-hmm. I think that we get into communities a lot and we don't share about what we're going through, we don't share about the uh, things we're struggling with. we just kind of pretend like things are all butterflies and rainbows, and we leave that Bible study as if like we have somehow been encouraged but like little do they know half of us have been stuck in sin and we've been hiding our sin of pornography or, um, you know, being way too physical with our boyfriend or girlfriend, or I guess for the guys, it's all just girlfriends, but, um, like we just weren't very vulnerable. And so we started to set up this thing where, uh, we would put a yoga ball in the living room and we would just set it down and we'd be like, who want, whoever wants to go up and confess going up. And so we slowly and hesitantly would each take our turn. Once the first person went, went it, it broke the chain. Everyone just wanted to go. Because yeah. once one person's vulnerable, it opens up the floor for everyone. And so kind of like what we're talking about, what we're doing even nowadays with our group is, is just having a time of confession. It allows for you to be vulnerable and share things that you would otherwise be scared to talk about or too prideful to talk about. We build up these walls that are constantly being, you know, like reinforced by our pride and our secrecy. That makes it so hard to talk about it that, you know, you need something really strong to break it down. And that's where that giant yoga ball just comes and wrecks that wall, takes it down and allows for everyone to be open and honest. And so then you get to see where people are at their faith, what they need prayer for, and then what we would do right after they would confess as we would all get up and we would all go lay a hand on them and we would just pray over that person and they would be encouraged. They would be empowered. The Holy spirit would be upon them and going from there, we would hold them accountable throughout the week. Yo, how you doing? How is uh, your struggles going right now? Like how, how are, like, are you, are you still in God's word? Are you spending time in prayer? Like what's going down? Like, how are you? We'd be constantly doing that. And so that aspect of uh, confession and vulnerability takes that Bible study to the very next level that adds an intimacy with that group that you can't like, that's a hard bond to break. It's like it's unity. It's unity. It's absolutely what yeah. unity is. Cause it pushes aside all of our differences and it opens up to the fact that we're all on the same playing field that we have sin that we struggle with and we need Christ. And we need that community around us to help support us as we battle these things. And so, yeah, just the building up of the body that way was amazing. Uh, Another big thing that we really focused on was also communion. I don't think that you see that a lot with Bible studies, but uh, we used to have worship nights where, uh, with our Bible study group, where it was just dedicated to uh, spending time worshiping, and then we would take communion together. And then after that, we would split off into pairs of two, and we would go throughout wherever the house was that we were at and you'd find someone of the same sex, sit down with them and just share and talk with them about, Hey, what's going on? Like, how, how can I be praying for you? And you just get to have that person that you just get to build that relationship with. And then we would pray over each other. Um, and then we come back and we have more time in worship. But like, man, I, I get chills still thinking about those, those nights because they were so like focused on the spirit and the spirit was so ever present versus, When we usually go to Bible study, it's usually one person that teaches and then you just kind of like nod and agree and then maybe answer a few questions in some like open discussion and then you piece out of there. And it's not to say that's bad and I don't want to like look down on people that do that because that's still amazing. But like when you've tasted the sweet nectar and you're settling for that like, you know, you know uh seltzer water you're just drinking carbonated water which is gross like like there's there's something so much more that you can experience it's like god wants those things for us and we just kind of neglect that and so uh just to recap in so far as community that fellowship really pushing that to do more with the group than just that one time a week thing uh confession and vulnerability because you open up the door to a relationship that has intimacy but also allows for you to confess sins which Paul, or I'm sorry, James, explicitly talks about doing because it brings healing, it brings spiritual healing to our lives, mm-hmm. and because we hide sin in secret, we don't think that we can uh, talk about those things because we have to look like a good Christian. But when you uh, open up that floor, it allows for you to be like, "All right, I I need to grow, I need to get closer to Christ," and now that people know about it, like. I need to like work on this. And so it pushes you and motivates you to, to pursue those things, but it opens up accountability. And then also communion, which is just focusing on like what God literally told us to do, what Jesus told us to do that every time we gather together to do this in remembrance of him. Mm -hmm. Um, and that doesn't have to just happen at church, you know, that can happen at home too. And just being reminded constantly of the sacrifice and his body being broken and his blood being shed for our transgressions, um, and allowing that to, uh, encourage us throughout the week because we're being reminded of like how good God is and the gift that he's given us. And I think the last thing that I want us to now touch on is when it comes to actually studying the Bible, right? So you can have different groups that are like, all right, let's let's uh, let's do it where like one person a week reads and then they get to share their thing. Or you can have it where everyone reads and then everyone shares their little thing. Or it can be one person's going to read, uh, but then it's opening up discussion for these things, what what would what would you say is uh, a more beneficial path to go down when it comes to Bible study? Like, what would you recommend people to do when it comes to Bible study? Because sometimes, like we were just saying, like it feels like you just sit down and you just read Scripture and just talk about what you studied and then just hope that they retain some of it. But like, how do we how do we figure out what's a good structure for when it comes to teaching God's Word when we're at Bible study?
1: Yeah, I think. Um I think there's an an important aspect where we need to study the Bible before we go to Bible study. Yeah. You know, um, I think a big part of Bible studies is preparation and having knowledge about the scripture you're going to talk about beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it can be really easy to just be like, Oh yeah, we're going to read this this week. And then you're reading it, you know, an hour before whatever you don't get to digest that and meditate on it throughout the week. Um, And something really cool that I heard about I think Jewish rabbis and even the Pharisees back in the day is that they would debate like the meaning of certain scriptures, like if they're not sure how this should be interpreted or understood. And especially when you don't have, you know, years and years and years of theologians who have dove into commentary. Um, um, Well, this is, is what Paul did with the apostles when it came to circumcision. Yes. Yep. And. And I mean, side note: What's really cool is that Jesus came, and he had authority about what he interpreted. He wasn't like, "This is my opinion on how to interpret this." He's like, "This is what Scripture means." Yeah, which was like mind blowing, so amazing. Um, but yeah, understanding, knowing, reading commentaries, watching videos about, and meditating on the scriptures that you're going to talk about allows you to dive deeper into. The scriptures um with the people you're doing the bible study with um and so it's less so about like hey what is this what did you i mean there is a big aspect of it like hey what did you learn what are you taking away from this but it's also like you know what do you what do you think about this what sort of implication does this have for your life now and That's not something that you can really answer if you just read it an hour before. Like you need to live that scripture. Or five minutes prior. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that's what's super, I don't want to, I want to be careful because I want to, I want to say that it's dangerous, but I don't know how much it is dangerous as it can be just not beneficial for us when we sit down and we read a piece of scripture and then we think, all right, what is it telling me? Because it's like, no, 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 no. Like the Bible was not written to you. This is not a message that was to you and now you have to interpret it. This was a message that was, let's say it was Galatia like or Galatians. It was like, no, no, this was the Apostle Paul writing a letter to the church of Galatia mm-hmm. in a specific context during a specific time in history that had a purpose and mission and has a message behind it that it's supposed to be interpreted as. So instead of this whole thing that I used to do this for so long, this is why like I'm so passionate about it. it's because for so long I used to read scripture and think, all right, what is it, what is it teaching me? And what would happen is I would think that it would mean certain things and then realize later on in life, I was like, yeah, that that's not that's not true. Like, that's uh that's definitely not like what scripture says, you know, and you just kind of learn those things and discover it later. But like you're like, oh well, I read Jeremiah 20 and 11, and I think God's just wanting to bless me. Like He just wants to give me the, like the desires of my heart. Like he is, he is ready to give me, uh, whatever I need to succeed in life. Like he is, he is here to, to financially cover for me, to give me health and prosperity. And you're like, um, like what, w- what's the context of this? Like what, what is actually happening in Jeremiah right now? Because if you look into it in that specific story, like you have the Israelites that are about to go to war, right? And on top of that, this promise that God made to them wasn't going to happen for 70 years, so instead of being like, yeah, I think God wants to bless me, it's like, no, no, but what does Scripture say? Because Scripture, what that was telling is, is God's promise to Israel that he was going to eventually get them like, to the promised land and give them the fulfillment of his covenant that like, he was going to protect them and be with them. But that like, wasn't going to happen for 70 years. So if you're going to take it for what I was actually you know, happening, then you should be interpreting this like, dude, I cannot wait for in 70 years, God's got me. It's like, that's how that, I mean, if you really want to make it about yourself, you can, but the Bible is not about us. It's about understanding God's character and who he is and how can we take that knowledge and apply that into our lives and that wisdom into our lives. So not centering it around us, but centering it around God, because that is the exact purpose for it. So, um, I think that's so important for us is that the, how we should be interpreting scripture is, is asking the question of like, what is the Bible teaching? what would this mean to those that it was written to? Because I think that's something that we miss all the time. We think, all right, well, uh, what is what is like scripture trying to tell me versus like, no, 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 this was written to a specific people. How would they interpret it in their time? And is that something that even we can relate to at this moment? Because some of them, it was like them being persecuted and they were being given messages about do not cease to gather like as like, you know, we're, we're called to. And that could be to people that were living in persecution and fear. And for us, it's like, oh, like... Now, I don't struggle with that. Like I go to church every Sunday. I'm not struggling with those things. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you have to read it for what the context is. Cause there, there is a message behind it. And then, uh, along with that, just kind of like I already said, is just what's the context because we read things out of context all the time. And unless we read the scripture as, as a whole, um, we're going to miss it. So that's where like the there's the blessing of reading the Bible as a whole because that's going to give you ultimate context about what's happening here in the narrative or the meta-narrative of the Bible. But then you also have the specific studies where you're uh, studying like scripture that's a specific passage that's in Ephesians or Galatians or 1 Timothy or any of those things, you know, like diving into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I agree that we have to have the right mindset when it comes to to go into studying scripture and what it means and not just taking the time to like read it right as like you're in Bible study and then being like, yeah, what do you think? But like taking the time to read the passage beforehand and to understand the context from it. I mean, the Bible project does videos for every single book of the Bible that gives you historical context about what's happening in it and why the message is being written to. Cause that, when I started reading those, I mean just even like last year doing the Bible in a year challenge for us, like that taught me so much about different books of the Bible that I'm like, I never realized like how important that was, you know, I I didn't think about it that way before, but like they, they teach you what you need to know about it. Um, but yeah, so, so, uh, going off of that, I think that, uh, with that mindset, the next question is, is then like, all right, so like, what should we be studying and what should we be going through? And so, uh, for, for my two cents on this, uh, I just wrote down a few different things for encouragement for just different ways you can do it because there's no one perfect way to do it. There's obviously a lot of different things that you can do because uh, we've done groups before where we go through a book that's outside of the Bible that talks about principles that are within the Bible mm-hmm. and you take that time to really focus on those things. So we did one that was like... Uh, Disciplines of a Godly Man, where we met once a week, every single uh, week of our summer. And it had questionnaires at the very end of it. And it just talked about things. And we opened up and we were vulnerable and we prayed for each other and like those things. So like you can go that route or you can pick a specific book of the Bible. You could pick pick a specific passage that you want to study. Um, but I think that something that's super, super key is when it comes to studying the scripture is to take the time to read the context, to look at like commentaries and what they say, do your research online, but be careful with like what online like resource you go to. Cause sometimes they're not really biblical and they just give opinions. So like really be careful about that. Um, but when it comes to bringing it in, uh, to discussion or to the actual Bible study, I think sometimes we do get that mindset where we think like, all right, I'm just going to sit here and I'm just going to teach for the next, like, you know, 35, 40 minutes or whatever. And then after that it's over. Um, and that just is like feeling like church again and that's why people don't participate like that's why like bible studies struggle to get people to come life groups at GCU like almost never rarely like actually happen and you know why it's because that's all it is is another church service for them that's what it feels like because you just sit in there and you get lectured slash you know preached to for another like 20 minutes maybe answer a couple questions and then boom you're out um but one of the things that I did love about our Bible studies that we did growing up is that there was a lot of inclusion with more discussion that was super intentional. So you had a, you had a specific scripture. You talked about the context. You talked about what this means, uh, the meaning and message behind it. And then on top of that, you open it up to questions, to dialogue. Um, and that just opens up the table for people being able to give their two cents, right? Uh, but even more than that, uh, having someone there that can help correct them if they think the wrong way uh, or have not been taught the proper way, so to say, Um, But on top of that, it allows for them to come up with the solutions themselves when it comes to like, how can you apply this into your life in the sense of like, how can you be more spiritually disciplined like we talk about? And so giving them the opportunity to answer that question is going to move them to want to make that decision more than you just telling them how to do it because they're not the one asking the question unless they're the one asking the question and you answer it, then it helps. But like if you can teach them to learn how to like answer it themselves and guide them to that answer. Uh, it's so much more beneficial for them because they feel like they're a part of that, that they've told themselves, this is what I need to do versus someone else saying, this is what you need to do. There's a huge mindset shift. That makes sense. Um, So that's been super helpful for me. But like we were saying, I think that uh, there's a lot of ways to go into a Bible study and it's honestly, it's so up to you. Like you can choose what book of the Bible you want to go through. You can choose what passage or um, whatever you want to do. But what is important is making sure that we are reading scripture with the intention of wanting to learn what is scripture trying to tell us not in the sense of what it is for us but what god's message is behind it because there was a a purpose behind that letter or that book of the bible that was written and we can benefit from it in our relationship of knowing more about who god is and his character but not thinking that like this was somehow written to me, and I need to interpret this however I feel or think that the Holy Spirit's going to translate it for me because that's that 's not how it goes. We can receive discernment from three different things: it can come from one the Holy Spirit, which really comes through god 's word um, It also can come from uh demons and it can also come from our heart. It talks about in jeremiah twenty three uh, that like people can be deceived thinking that they 're interpreting something or hearing something, and it 's coming from either the Holy spirit or the devil. And if it's not one of those things, or if it's not, you don't feel like it's coming from the devil, then you think it's just from the Holy spirit, but it can also be our heart and our heart is deceiving according to Jeremiah. So that's something we have to be super careful about too, is remembering that like there is the Holy spirit to guide us and that it will help us to interpret it. But like you need to trust the people that have spent the time studying the historical context and the literature of either the Greek or the Hebrew or the Aramaic that actually goes into, um, like the, the, the actual writings from the manuscripts. Does that kind of make sense? Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that that makes the accumulation of kind of everything from, uh, just going in with the right mindset of how to study scripture and understand that there is a message behind it that we should be interpreting it as, that it's not always up for discussion. There are certain things that can be up for discussion as far as what to interpret. And that can be a cool Bible study if you wanted to do that. Um, But not just sitting in session, hearing it for the first time, and then being asked, like, what do you think? And then thinking that that becomes truth. Because then we think that what our thoughts are become truth. And that's the huge, like, red flag from the enemy. Um, But tying that in with those other aspects that I think we miss so much is that community aspect, that aspect of vulnerability and confession, that time of worship and communion, uh, that if we don't add those aspects into our Bible study, one people aren't going to last very long in it they're just going to not prioritize it in their schedule if something else comes up or it's not going to to edify them in god's word in every other aspect in their relationship with jesus it's going to feel like another sermon that they're going to and if if i'm being honest like without like there's seasons that i've gone through where if i uh like I've been tempted to not go to service because I'm like, well, it's kind of the same thing as just watching a sermon online, it feels like. Because I go into church, I sit by myself or I sit with one person or whatever, I listen to the sermon and then I peace out. It's like I could worship at home and do the exact same thing. And what's sad is that it's true. And that's because we miss those aspects of what church really is to look like. And that's what like the church in the early days like it it was they would gather they would pray over each other they would share in their spiritual gifts whether that came from like generosity or the gift of healing or prophecy or any of those things like they would share those gifts with each other they would have time of confession they would have time of worship and communion all those aspects and no wonder they were on fire like they ha- they had that constantly everywhere they went like it's kind of exciting thinking about that they would have to gather in secret but like as they gather they were being filled with the holy spirit of just like empowerment and they're like i i just want to like tell everybody about this free gift that like i have received and that i have experienced so much life and so then it's it's so much easier to invite someone to bible study being like you got to come check this out versus like if you're a bible study that's just sitting around and asking people their thoughts on things it's like it makes it harder for people that want to come and check it out or like a newbie or someone that's new to the faith or whatever will sit in and be like oh yeah it's kind of cool sure but when they get to see the realness of the vulnerability aspect the community like how we love each other like they will know us by our love um or they will know jesus by our love right like all those aspects together it's just a powerful witness to the world and so i think that those aspects can help uh i think in some degree uh make bible study a little bit more intentional with what we do but then give some guidance to people of like um You know how can I how can I lead a Bible study? Like, what does that even look like? And I'm sure we could break down even more of that. But I think those are a few good tips. But Mm -hmm. yeah, what are your what are your thoughts? Do you think there's anything else that you would add?
1: Yes, Uh, the last thing that I want to add, well, two things. You know, you're just talking about two things for two cents. Two cents. Um, Like going to church and and you know sitting with someone and then talking to a couple people and then leaving. Um, It's kind of a bummer because like when we go to Africa. Um, and even when we're like preaching the gospel from village to village, like I feel like I get to experience the fullness of what it means to be a Christian and live out the gospel. Sign like ten times throughout the course of an afternoon in Africa, and I don't. Sometimes I don't feel like I experience that at all going to church for three months. Yeah. You know, Um, and, you know, there is an aspect to it of being all things to all people. um, And that's just kind of how church works here in America. Um, But there, yeah, I mean, praying for one another. Yeah, I just wish we did that at church more. Like, I wish our, our pastors weren't the ones to just lead us in prayer. I wish they were like, okay, turn to the person next to you don't just give them a high five, ask them how they're doing and ask how you can pray for them and pray for them right here. Yeah. You know, and that can be hard at
0: first if you don't even know them being like, Hey, how can I pray for you? Cause it's like, I don't really want to tell you like my problems in my life kind of thing. But yeah, the idea is like start it off simple. It's just like, Hey, like turn to your neighbor and ask for their name, like get to know them. Cause yeah. then like there's something so powerful about just knowing their name yep. and getting to say what's up. And then over time you build that relationship and it makes it easier to do that. Yeah. But yeah, that aspect of, of prayer. Absolutely.
1: Um, And then the second thing is, just cultivating a, I was going to say cultivating a culture, um, which is very like business speak, but honoring one another um, and being intentional to set aside time in your Bible study to call out each other in ways that are affirming and encouraging. Yeah. Um, something that I've, I've noticed repeatedly in just different like circles of people who love the Lord, and they're doing life together, pursuing Christ. You know, I notice it in my communities in California, notice it in my communities here, is that they're really good at, like, pointing out, oh, my gosh, like, I saw you do this the other day. Like, that was so awesome. Like, that was so cool. Like, oh, I just adore this person because she's going through something really hard right now, but she's just trusting in the Lord that he's going to come through with it. And so setting aside time in the Bible study to intentionally share ways that you're seeing other people like encourage you is like i mean it uplifts my spirit as the person who's sharing and it uplifts the person who's receiving it and it also helps unearth some some things in ourselves where we're like oh i feel really uncomfortable get receiving that honor um which you know kind of shows how little we do it when it should be something that is celebrated and filled with joy, not just like an awkward like reservation towards it. So
0: that's what I would encourage. Ephesians 429, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear Uh, and do not grieve the Holy spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So, yeah, Uh I forgot that we've been doing that, too, with our group. And that's super cool because we'll go around and just tell people like, hey, really want to just uplift you for what you've been doing with this stuff. Like, this is super awesome. And getting that kind of encouragement, like in the world that we live in today, you don't really get that often. Mm-hmm. You really just don't. It's just, it's not natural for us to to speak positively about our, other people and tell them directly. It's its just not. You have to be like really good at loving people if you do that. Yeah. <laughs> but most of us suck at it pretty bad, including myself. I'm just, I'm not super good at speaking more of that encouragement to other people, but and there's something that is so life-giving when we do that for others and then when you receive it yourself. And so, um, yeah totally another aspect you can add in that we do with our Bible study where you just take a time to, uh, let encouraging wholesome talk come out and just share with the group. If they've been doing something super awesome Mm -hmm. and not in the sense for, to boast ourselves and to boast our own self image, but, um, more, more rather to, uh, just encourage them and affirm them in in their actions and let them know that like, Hey, you're doing, you're doing the right thing. You're doing pretty awesome. So yeah, lots of tips so much go and have a freaking dope Bible study. If you're not in a Bible study right now, don't wait around until someone else is going to make it happen. Make it happen. Do something about it. Do it. Just grab your friends. Have some community. Hang out. And like keep Christ at the center of it. And he'll be with you. Christ promised that when two or more gather in in his name that he would be with us. So he's here with us and he'll be with you. And uh, yeah, do it. Just do it. Do it. Just do it. Just do it. Just do Just it. Do it. You heard it here from Shia LaBeouf. This is the Ten Cents podcast. That was our Ten Cents. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Peace out, guys.